At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian Regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. And God-fearing, he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. So you read that and the first thing that comes to mind, you are tempted to think that Cornelius is a Christian. He looks like a Christian. He's committed. He gives generously and he prays regularly. You will be tempted to say Cornelius is a believer. But let's wait and see if that's what the Bible says. And that might disappoint some of us who are devoted. They give generously and they pray regularly. And because of that, they think they are Christians. That is something that we will see from the scripture today. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. And now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. So Cornelius, in a vision, he sees an angel who instructs him to send people for Peter, who is in Joppa. And this angel says that your prayers and your generous contribution to the poor has come up before the Lord as a memorial offering. The Lord has seen what you are doing. Again, it's easy to think that... uh, Cornelius here is a believer. So while Cornelius sends his servants, the following day, the same Lord who appeared to Cornelius in a vision appears to Peter. Peter is, we are told in verse 9, 
the following day at noon time while Cornelius servants are on their way on their journey approaching the city Peter went up on the roof to pray and while on the roof he felt hungry he was craving for food and god saw peter's hunger and then listen to what the bible says when he became hungry and wanted something to eat he fell into a trance verse 11 he saw heaven opened that is very important he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners it's coming from heaven a large sheet with four corners probably north south west and east representing all the corners of the world it contained all kinds of four-footed animals and and as well as reptiles and birds then a voice told him and you cannot mistake this voice get up peter kill and eat peter is hungry the lord provides food for him from heaven and commands him to get up kill and eat the lord is not telling peter here that you have a choice to eat or not to eat is telling him get up kill and eat and listen to what peter says he said surely not lord so peter knows that this is the voice of the lord i have never eaten anything impure or unclean You should know that in this huge basket there are clean and unclean animals in it. But because they are together then even the unclean animals are now no even the clean animals are now unclean. <clears throat> you know when you are clean and you touch unclean something that is unclean that thing doesn't become clean you are the one who becomes unclean so
So Peter is saying here, I have never touched or even eaten an unclean animal because he understands that even the clean animals in that basket are now unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. So God is telling Peter, I am the one who can declare something unclean, and I am the one who can declare something clean. He's telling Peter that I'm not making a mistake here by asking you to eat this. You know, there is something that makes a difference in a Christian life is a very small thing, but it makes a huge difference. In fact, I believe that our greatest challenge as Christians has everything to do with our attitude. That's why I'm asking have you checked your attitude? Peter is praying when the Lord appears to him, bringing him this basket. His attitude towards the Lord is perfect. But when the Lord commands him to do something that is against his theology, he says no. And Peter understands why he's saying this because if you look at Leviticus chapter 20, in Leviticus 20 from verse 22 to 26, God had given them these laws. So Peter is actually obeying God by disobeying God. I will explain that. But let me just read to you uh, Leviticus chapter 20. God says as he led them to the promised land, keep all my decrees and laws and follow them so that the land where I am bringing you to live may not vomit you out. You must not live according to the customs of the nations I'm going to drive out before you because they did all these things I abhorred them. But I say to you, you will possess the land. I will give it to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has set you apart from the nations. You must therefore make a distinction between clean and unclean animals and between unclean and clean birds. Do not defile yourselves by any animal or bird or anything that moves along the ground. Reptiles. Those that I have set apart as unclean for you. You are to be holy to me because I, the Lord, am holy. And I have set you apart from the nations to be 
my own. So the laws against the clean and unclean animals was also related to the people. Just as they needed to separate from, to avoid those unclean animals, they also needed to avoid other nations. And that's why God brings the animals to Peter because God is about to send Peter to other nations. The same God who said, do not eat, is now telling Peter, you can eat. Sounds like a contradiction. When I was growing up as a young boy, I remember one day I asked my mom, where do babies come from? And my mother told me they come from the market. And that was okay with me. And then as I grew up, one day I said to my mom, I would like to go to the market and buy some babies. And my mother looked at me and she said, who told you babies are sold in the market? And I said, you told me. Oh, she said, oh, no, it's not, they are not sold in the market. They are sold in hospitals. Doctors sell them. Okay. And so as I grew up, one day I asked her, where do doctors get these babies? And my mother looked at me and she said, you will understand when you grow up. And that was enough. So today, as I stand here, I know that babies don't come from the market. And they are not sold by doctors. But you know, my mother was giving me what I could take at that time. It's not because she was trying to hide or to lie. She only gave me what I could understand. Knowing that a time would come when I would be able to understand fully. Today, if I asked my mom, where do babies come from? She's going to laugh at me. She'll say, if I let and stop playing with my mind, where did your babies come from? When God commanded his people not to eat these unclean animals, God was preparing them for something. God was preparing them for the cleansing that would come from Jesus Christ. God wanted them to know that in this world there are things that will defile us. And the cleansing that we will need will only come from the Lord. 
And at this point, God has sent his son to die on the cross to provide the cleansing that we need. And therefore, there is no need to avoid or to call others unclean because there is only one person who can make people clean and that person is Jesus Christ. And therefore, God is telling Peter here, do not call unclean what I have made clean. This is just uh, an object lesson for Peter. He's supposed to understand this lesson because it's going to happen in his life. Look what happens as Peter continues to ponder about the meaning of this vision. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent to sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gates. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. While he's still thinking, what does this mean? Those visitors arrive. Soon he's going to understand what it fully means. His attitude is being confronted. His prejudice is being exposed. God is dealing with Peter in the same way that he deals with us. So when these visitors arrive and they send for Peter, while Peter is still thinking, the Holy Spirit speaks to him. Look at verse 15. While Peter is still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. And those men are Gentiles. He went down. He has to obey now. He introduces himself to this man. And these men tell him they have been sent by Cornelius. And Peter and other believers leave to visit Cornelius. He invites this man and then he leaves with them. The next day, when they arrived at Cornelius' house, the following day, look at verse 24. He arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and called together his relatives and close friends. Cornelius calls all his family members and friends. Cornelius wants them to hear the gospel. He invites people to his house. And when he sees Peter, Cornelius meets him and falls on his feet in reverence. He worships Peter. 
That's what he does. And Peter says, no, no, don't do it. I'm just a man like you. This tells us that Cornelius is a religious person. He's not a believer, but he is a religious person. Deep inside, he understands that there is God. And he is sincere. He wants to know this God. He's a sincere religious person who is seeking God. Now, this will contradict your theology. Saul was a religious person who was persecuting Christians. And God appeared to him. Saul thought what he was doing, he was doing it for the Lord. Saul was not seeking the Lord. The Lord appeared to him. Cornelius here is seeking the Lord. And the Lord reveals himself to Cornelius just as he revealed himself to Saul. The Lord reveals himself to Cornelius and he asks him to send for Peter. Why? So that Peter can come and explain the gospel to him. Cornelius is a seeker. And if you, if, if you, if you are humble enough, you must accept that Cornelius is seeking God, and God has seen his heart and revealed himself to him. God is God. He, is, he, he will always do what brings him glory, even if it contradicts our theology or our denominational positions. God does not ascribe to any theological position. He does not. Peter has a theology. And his theology comes from God's word. Because God's word says, do not touch or eat unclean thing. Peter was right. And God says, yes, I said that. Because that's what you could understand then. But this is what I want you to do. It has to be our desire to always want to submit to what God is saying, regardless of our theological positions. Today, Christians are so caught up on positions and church practices and denominational traditions that they end up missing what God is saying to them. No wonder when we come to read the Bible, we already have our own conclusions in mind. We are just reading to confirm what we already believe. We don't hear from God anymore because we know what he is going to say to us even before he says it. That child agrees with me. (laughs) 
So Peter goes in here, he sees many people that have been invited. And listen, he confesses his attitude, his biased attitude. In verse 27, he says, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Says, you all know this. I am not supposed to be here. I am here against my beliefs. I am here against my theology. I'm here against my church traditions. I'm here against my denominational practices. That's, I'm here. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So I am here because God wants me to be here. It goes against everything I believe, but this is what God wants me to do. That's why I'm here. He makes that confession. I believe at this moment, his attitude is beginning to change. When I talk of attitude, I'm talking about the inward belief or feeling that affects our behavior or response. Inward belief or feeling that affects our response or our behavior. It is the position of your mind at a given subject. Peter, his attitude was so good before God when he was praying and worshiping, but it was so negative towards the Gentiles. You can still be a Christian and have an attitude that has nothing to do with Christ. How many times do we look at people or other churches and put them in one basket? Because they don't believe like us, they don't practice things like us, we end up setting them aside and, and saying these ones are lost. These ones can never go to heaven. How many times we look at people, even in our own families, and put them in that same basket of unclean people. We write them off. How many times do we look at ourselves as Christian and think as Christians and think that uh, God only cares about us? Because this is what the Jews were thinking. In fact, even people that still identify themselves as Jews today, they still have this attitude. They think that God only cares about them. Yeah, the chosen. They, the Jews in the book of Acts, when they received the gospel, 
And when Jesus was telling them that you need to go and preach the gospel in all creation, in their mind, they thought that they needed to preach the gospel to the Jews that are outside, the Jews that are in other nations. That's what was in their mind. So wherever they came to a town, they would look for a Jew to share the gospel with because according to them, this is a message to the Jews. And that same thing is happening today to Christians. We have people that we don't share the gospel with. We avoid them. We have a profile of who should hear the gospel and who should not. All the ethnic churches that we have are as a result of that. Because we get to a point where now the gospel is for this group. If I attend a black church, I'm going to look for black folks to share the gospel with. If I attend a white church, when I go out to share the gospel, I'm not going to look for the blacks. I'm going to look for the whites. If I am attending a Chinese church, hey, when I go out, I'm looking for Chinese. This kind of attitude limits the power of God and the influence God wants us to have in this world as Christians. It was limiting the power of God and the influence the Jews who received the gospel needed to have in the world. That's why God is confronting it. And I'm so glad that he did. Because some of us would have missed the message if this message remained with the Jews. It's the kind of attitude that does not bring progress. It doesn't bring health. If it were not for God confronting this attitude, Christianity would have remained just as, as a sect only limited to the Jews. And God is doing it here to Peter because he is one of the pillars Look at verse 34. Peter says, after Cornelius shares with him his vision, and, and just because, before you read verse 34, Cornelius says to him in verse 33, he says, so I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. We are ready to hear the gospel. Cornelius says that. But listen to Peter, because his attitude here has changed. He says, now 
I now realize how true it is that God does not show what? He does not show what? Favoritism. He, he does not show partiality. But accepts from every nation the one, the one who fears him and does what is right. Now, does this mean that Cornelius and his family are already accepted? No. But they do have an open door to God as well. Peter is confessing. This is a great confession because this changes everything in his life. God does not show favoritism. I now realize that. This is not what I knew before, but I now realize it. It's clear. It's clear. In other words, he's saying God is not just for the Jew. God is not just for the chosen. And then he shares the gospel with them. He begins to share the gospel. And he says we are witnesses of everything Jesus did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. And look at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who had the message. Salvation is taking place. The Holy Spirit came on all who had the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Every time in the book of Acts, when people speak in tongues, the Jews are right there. Because God is using that miracle as a sign to the Jew that the Holy Spirit has come to the Gentiles. Peter's attitude has undergone a transformation. He has been saved from his own attitude. When he sees God perform this miracle of salvation to the Gentiles, God does not show favoritism. That's the message that this text gives us. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days to continue teaching them. 
You know, God is more accepting than you can imagine. Personally, I don't believe that God has decided who to be saved and who not to be saved. He has not given me the list of those who are supposed to be saved. I believe that God has opened a door for whosoever will believe. And I continue to believe that. And every time I share the gospel, I share the gospel with that attitude. That in Christ, everyone has a chance. And whoever rejects Christ will be rejected by Christ. I strongly believe that God is not biased because he does not show favoritism. That's the God that I believe in. I don't think that God saved me because I'm better than anyone else. I believe that God reveals, he revealed himself to me. He gave me a chance. I saw how sinful I was. I saw where I was going. I saw the way he was opening for me. And I responded to that way. I responded to that invitation. Cornelius here has a chance to respond to what God has opened for him. God has revealed himself to him. He has sent him to Peter so he can hear the message. It's up to him and the people in his house that he has called to hear the message, to believe and to respond to it. That's why we will remain accountable to God. Now, is God able to transform anyone's life? Yes, he is God. God is able to reach out to anyone the way he wants. That's why all our testimonies are different. All our testimonies, last time we were sharing testimonies, all our testimonies are different. It's amazing how God reaches out to people. You look at Jesus, he goes to some people, he heals them, and there are also people who come to him for healing, and he heals them. Because he looks at the heart. That's why I believe even someone who attends a church that does not share the gospel, if that person is sincere in their heart and their desire is to know God, God will provide a way for them to hear the gospel. He will. Even people in other countries, and whether they are Muslims or not, Anything they believe in, if they are sincere in their heart and they are seeking for God, God will one day reveal himself to them. They will hear and it will be up to them to respond to him. And God can do what he wants even if it contradicts what we believe. He is God. He does not show Favoritism. 
Cornelius is not saved because he is a good person or because he is God-fearing. He is saved by hearing the gospel, the message. Look at verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 13. I'm about to finish this. I can see some of you looking at your watches. Chapter 11, verse 13 and 14. Peter is reporting himself, and we will see this next week. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. This is Peter reporting in chapter 11. That Peter will bring the message through which Cornelius and his household will be saved. He was saved through the message that Peter shared with them. And if you look at verse 20 and 23, uh, which I pointed to you earlier of Acts chapter 10, His men said to Peter, a holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Okay. They needed to hear the gospel. That's what I'm trying to emphasize here. Look at verse 43. In verse 43, Peter says to Cornelius and all the prophets testify about him that everyone, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his names. Peter is sharing the message to Cornelius and the people in his house and he's telling them this is what needs to happen. So Peter does not consider Cornelius saved at this point. That's why he's sharing this message. Everyone who believes in him will receive the forgiveness of sins. In 11 verse 18, the apostles, when Peter shares with them his experience, they, their reaction also shows us that they understand Cornelius was saved through hearing the gospel, not because he was a good man or God-fearing. You can be a good man, you can be a God-fearing person, you can be very generous. You can give to the poor as much as you can. But if you have no relationship with Jesus Christ, you are still lost. You are still unsaved. The only time you receive the forgiveness of sins and the salvation that comes from the Lord is when you acknowledge yourself as a sinner and sorrowfully turn to the Lord for forgiveness. And he is willing to receive you regardless of where you come from, regardless of what you have done, and to forgive you, and you will become a child of God. And from then, every good thing that you will do will be acceptable to God and will give God the glory that he deserves. You need Christ 
whether you are religious or not. You need Christ. And for believers that are here, we need to ask the Lord to change our attitude. The attitude that we have towards others. The unchrist-like attitude. The attitude that puts people in this basket of deplorable. The attitude that makes us want to avoid people that God wants us to connect with so that they can hear the gospel. We need to ask God to change our attitudes. Never think that you are too good to fellowship or worship with others. It should be our desire to always want to welcome people. To always want to connect with people. This is what I would do if I were you seated there and I see someone new coming in. I would be the first one to reach out to that person so he or she can come and sit with me. When you understand what Christ is doing in this world, when your desire is to be part of what Jesus is doing in this world, you will be open into reaching out and into receiving in the people that God brings to your life. Some of us still need to ask God to change our attitudes.